We are... We're obviously at the pointy end of, of the new year, and uh, I want to kind of come around a, uh, a topic, an idea tonight that I hope genuinely sets the tone uh, for, for your whole year, this whole year for us as, as a church and this as a service and, and, and community of people. And uh, before we do, let me, um, if I could, just... Borrow your imagination. Come with me for just one quick moment. Let me just borrow your imagination for one quick moment. Come with me. It's 12 months from now. Are you there? Fantastic. 12 months from now, you've had much the same years you've had the last few. You've had many of the same challenges. You've had many of the same ups and downs. It's been a very similar year. In fact, in almost every way, it's had the opportunity to go the exact same way, but just come with me, 12 months from now, looking back, it's almost been the same, but one thing is dramatically different. Over the last 12 months, you haven't worried. I wonder, how different would your life look 12 months from now if you had a year that you didn't worry? If that's too much, you just worried less. I get it. It's like, whoa, asking a lot. You know, where's the MC? I know, it's confusing. Um, but 12 months from now, you've had a year and you have just worried less. You haven't worried about anything. I wonder how different a year would you have if over the next 12 months you didn't let worry have the driver's seat in your life? What would look different in your world? How would, it, how would it have gone down different? Maybe, maybe your sleep would be a little better. Anybody else? I mean, we all have. We've lost those rest, We've lost precious hours of sleep, restless with just ideas and worries and anxieties and what-ifs that kind of rattle around in our head. Maybe, just maybe your sleep might look better. Your blood pressure is a bit lower. Which your housemates are so happy for. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're just a little more confident when you go out at social events. Maybe you've actually had the, the courage, maybe worry hasn't held you back, and the fear that undergirds worry hasn't hold, held you back from finally sharing that incredible gift that you have to share. Maybe if, if you were to give yourself 12 months of not having worry drive your life, maybe you would have the courage to step out and share with the world that idea, that gift that you've got. Maybe you've decided to step out and ask that person out. Maybe if worry didn't have the driver's seat on your life, you would have had that hard conversation. Maybe you've, you would stop putting off that hard financial choice. Maybe you would finally go to the doctors. Maybe your life might look different in subtle ways, but I think we could all agree that our lives would look better if we worried less. It's that time of year, and I wonder right now, what are you worried about? Right? It's almost time for school to go back. If you're in high school, maybe you're wondering, class lists are coming out. You're freaking out about what this year is beginning to look like. Maybe, uh, like, I think 
QTAC preferences, the, the January uh, allotments, they come out tomorrow. So if you're wondering what this whole year, potentially your whole future, is going to look like hinges on one little email that you're going to get tomorrow. Like, there are many things that try and get to us and worry tries to hold us in place. You've come back and, and you've thought, you know what, it's a new year and so I'm going to step out and it's a new year new dreams, and then you realize as much as you've got new dreams, you've got many of the same worries, right? You're still friends with those friends, still married, hopefully to that person that you were married, to the other side of the new year, you've still got many of the things that were causing you stress, you've got to go back to that same job, you've got to navigate that awkward boss, Right? It's like we, we get all pumped up. It's like it's a new year, new year, new me. And we, 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 we get so excited for what it's going to look like. And then we realize at about, uh, we wake up at about 10.30 a.m. And you realize that the new year still has many of the old worries. So what do we do? We make some plans. We make some decisions. It's time for us to step up. And so we, we make some commitments. We resolve in ourselves that we're going to get bigger. We're going to get better. We're going to work harder. We're going to dig that little bit deeper. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get focused, fitter. I'm going to get faster. I'm going to get more productive, right? And we make all of these decisions because we have in our heads this idea that if I can be more, then I will worry less, right? There is this central idea that pins us down and you have come into the new year so revved up to, for it to be different, and you've realized all of those same stresses have come with you. So you're like, I'm done with that stress. I'm done with that worry, done with that anxiety, so I'm going to get better. We make these resolutions. We get pumped. You say, this is my year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after it. We mount up, work to the bone, get after it, like we did for the last three years. Right? You make all of the same decisions that you're going to make that this year different, that you're going to be bigger than your worries. You make all of the same commitments that you've made for the last three years and you've carried the same stresses all that time. You say, it's time for me to get ahead. If I'm more, then I can worry less. And yet, the worry keeps coming. Have you experienced this? It's like, I'm, I, I just... If I can just get that little bit more productive, then my to-do list is going to get manageable enough for me to get ahead in life. If I can just get a little bit stronger, then, then I'm not going to be so overwhelmed with the responsibilities that I can carry. Because if I can get bigger, my worries will get lesser. A doctor once said, though, that if the treatment isn't working, question the diagnosis. Because you've made all of those commitments. I've made all of those commitments for years on years on years, and yet the worry keeps coming. And friends, can I put to you tonight that if the treatment, you getting big enough to get away from your worries, if it's not working, perhaps it's time for us to question the diagnosis. That it's not a matter of us getting big enough, good enough, strong enough to carry our own worries. Perhaps there is a bigger, better way for us to get through life. Maybe the idea that you can get ahead of worry by being stronger, better, enough, is just 
wrong. And with that, Happy New Year, right? Um, <laughs> yay! But I have good news. I really do. I, I, I really believe in my heart of hearts. I have very good news for you. Because I believe with all of my heart that there is a way. That there is a path laid out for us in Scripture that we can actually choose to step into. And if we do take a hold of this in faith, I believe that 2024 could be your most calm, confident, peace-filled year. That those worries that have held you back and held you and kept you up, you can actually learn to move out of a place of worry and into a place of peace. And I believe that if we take a hold of this in faith, you can grow to worry about nothing. Paul, if you want to come with me in Philippians, writes a letter to... uh, a church, a group of people that he had begun to pastor and had begun to form around the way of Jesus in a place called Philippi. And Paul is writing this, this letter, uh, kind of a pen pal uh, from Europe, uh, to these group of people. Um, I believe what Paul was intending to do is have his European summer. Uh, however, he has ended up in jail. And it's from this place, it's from jail, that he now writes to this group of people. He's like, it's time for me to have my European summer. Um, Obviously, he was planning to share the good news of Jesus to those people. And he has ended up in jail. And from that place, he pens to us, I believe, it's almost like he wrote it to a group of people at the start of their new year. And he's like, hey, all of your New Year's resolutions, let's just measure it with what I'm about to say. Look at this, look at what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Right? This is a man who is not, in fact, having his getaway experience in Europe. He is writing this letter from a cell, either in Ephesus or Rome. He is in jail. He's in chains. He's not having a good time. And he pens this letter and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I believe what Paul is saying to this group of people is, it's maybe perhaps time for us to stop waiting until everything is right for us to begin to rejoice in the Lord. That that, that it's time for us to stop waiting for everything to be right or be good enough for us to say, yes, now God is good. It's It's time for us to begin to stir up in ourselves that no matter what we find ourselves in, we are going to choose in that place to rejoice in the Lord. I reckon he wrote, rejoice in the Lord. He's like, they're not going to take me serious. So he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, even here. Even in jail. Maybe 2023, it kind of zigged when you were zagging. It didn't look exactly what you had in mind. And, and, and things just felt like they, they didn't live up to what you had in mind. And as time went on, if you're honest with yourself... It felt, like, it felt like maybe even God was distant. It felt like even God had let you down. Can I encourage you? And I, I, this is for everybody. I believe that if we are going to see 2024 be the most impactful, peace-filled, glory encounter year of our lives, we are going to have to choose to be a group of people that say, I'm not going to wait until He gets me there. I'm going to praise because I know He will. 
I'm going to praise because I know that where I'm at right now, even if it's not good, if it's not good, I know it's not the end. I'm going to choose to believe that my God is good enough, big enough. His saving work was, was done enough that I'm going to choose to tell my spirit, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. He goes on and says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, I reckon he was writing to a group of people for their New Year's resolutions because to say it another way, he, he's saying, Here's the thing, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, quit pushing people down for you to get ahead. You want to to step into this kind of life that Jesus has for you? It's not about you trying to get yours. It's not about you just being like, this is my year to do me. This is my year for me to get mine. No, he's like, let your gentleness... Let your trust in Christ's ability to care for your future be evident on the way that you live. He says, don't push people down so that you can get ahead. The Lord is near. In other words, we have hope. That things, if they are not good, will not always be this way. It's time for us to remind ourselves regularly that our King is on His way to make everything right. And though it doesn't look that way right now, we have hope. That he has a perfect, good ending to all of this. That our king is coming again. And then he says this. Do not, do not be anxious about, every, uh, about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, you want to know how to worry about nothing? Pray about everything. Want to know how to worry about nothing? Pray about everything. You hear, you're like, Ryan, that is too simple. You say that to the Apostle Paul. Paul, that's way too simple. And he's like, yeah, right? And you say, I don't understand it. He's like, now you get it. It's like, because the, understand, the peace that comes on you, you cannot figure it out. You won't be able to wrap your head around it. Peace, usually, we think, is a byproduct of being able to figure out how things will end. Right? If you've ever watched a game of of soccer or football, and it's like penalty shootouts or whatever, the anxiety of not knowing how a penalty shootout... Like, what did the Matildas do to the heart health of Australia? I have no idea. It took years off all of our lives. The anxiety of not knowing how this thing is going to end was chaotic. But if you watched that with somebody the next day and they had already seen it, or maybe you'd already seen it, and you'd figured out how that thing would end, easy. Because anxiety and worry comes to us, and we think peace is a byproduct of being able to figure out how it all ends. But God's kind of peace, the peace that comes to you, He's saying it goes way beyond you being able to figure out how it all ends. There is a kind of peace that He wants to give to you that is going to blow you Away. Simplify it in the NLT. It says it this way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. The way into a life without worry is not in having it all together. 
The way into a life free of anxiety is not for you to be free of any of your needs and cares. No, the way into a life free of worry. The way into a life that worry is moved to the edges is learning to place Jesus in the center. If you want to learn to live a life that is free from worry, we need to learn how to push worry from the driver's seat of our heart and push it to the periphery by placing Jesus in its place instead. If we can give Jesus its, his true place of residency in our hearts and minds, he pushes worry to the peripheries of our lives and we begin to step into a life that is so much bigger than just having things sorted. It's a life, Paul says, of peace through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And what does it say? It says that God's peace. You notice that? It's God's peace. Not our peace. Not that I got away to Byron for a weekend, closed my emails, had no things on the to-do list. Not just like I had a moment to breathe kind of peace, but if anything were to shatter that delicate ecosystem, I would be right back into a place of stress. Not that kind of peace. It's not a peace that you just feel like you're on top of things for a moment. No, it's the God kind of peace. The kind of peace that says, whatever life may throw at me, I cannot be shaken kind of peace. That through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, we can step into the God kind of peace that places us in in a place that is way beyond our ability to figure out. It's the though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death kind of peace. It's a though heaven and earth may pass away, your words will remain enduring kind of peace. It's the confidence that nothing can unmake me. It's the confidence that whatever happens over there, whatever you think of me over here, whatever is going on, you cannot unmake me because I have been formed and made whole by Jesus kind of peace. It's the kind of peace that says that though it's not getting better yet, I know my future is secure kind of peace. It's the kind of peace and the calm that comes in knowing that the one who made you and formed you and breathed life into you cares and loves and is interested in you. says that if you will begin to move from a place of worry through prayer, petition and thanksgiving, you will get God's peace. His peace becomes your peace. Worry... Anxiety, the, the way into this is, and I mean, we, we know this, you know this, worry, anxiety is a response to the primary emotion of fear. You look deeply at what worry and anxiety and, and, and a lot of that just tension comes from is rooted in a primary emotion of fear. A fear of what will happen if, fear of what could happen how it could happen, a fear of what will happen if it happens, a fear of who will find out if the thing that I'm worried about will happen, does happen. Fear of what will they think of the thing that I do when I do it. It's just rooted in a core primary emotion of fear. And so what do we begin to do? Whenever we face a fear, we begin to think about it a lot. It's like if you know there is a spider in your car, you cannot not think about the spider in your car. Right When fear comes, we begin to think about that thing incessantly. 
We begin to think through all of the different kind of outcomes, all of the ways that things would work. And can I tell you, and you know this, I know this, we never begin to play out scenarios that are best case. Have you noticed that? It's only in job applications, not only in job interviews that you're like, I'm a little worried I'm too punctual. You know, our fear is never best case. We're never worried that it's like, I think they're going to accept me too much. I don't want to get too big. You know, that's never where our mind goes. We begin to catastrophize. And as we catastrophize, we begin to categorize all of these other things. And it begins to splinter out and domino into a fractured, just insane number of scenarios. And so what do we do when we begin to face all of these scenarios? We fight for control. Like, you know what I need to do in order to get ahead of all of this worry and fear in my life with all of these scenarios? I'm going to do everything I can to control every kind of scenario that I can possibly think of. And then we have this moment, usually when we're lying in our bed staring at the ceiling, when we realize that in order to control all of these things, I'm going to have to be something bigger than just me. And you're crushed by this realization that I'm just me. And your mind shatters. Right? You've experienced this. Your heart goes to pieces as all of your ability to control every outcome is stopped short with the reality that we have a very limited ability to control the outcome of everything. Right now, some of you are like, does this get better? You're just beginning to, to look at it. You begin to fight for control and worry when it takes the lead, leaves our hearts and our mind three ways. It leaves us busy, sore, and fragile. Right? When we let worry take the lead, we end up in a place that our hearts and our minds are busy. Our minds are racing a million miles an hour. We never sit still. We're constantly doing that thing over here. We, we never kind of just actually sit down and relax. We're everywhere all at once. We're scattered. Our hearts and our minds get busy. We're sore and we're tentative. And we never want to put ourselves out there. And so we shrink back from every opportunity and we're fragile. Have you ever experienced this? When you're just in a place of worry... And somebody says, all it takes is just a word, one wrong look, one kind of just wrong word, and you just go to pieces. Right? Worry leaves us sore, fragile. It leaves us in a place that we are busy beyond just our ability to keep up. And the answer to that, what's wild when we read this scripture is Paul's Remedy, as we read this, his remedy to worry, catch this, Paul's remedy, God's remedy to worry is not the answer to your prayer. He says, here's what you need. The remedy to your worry, the remedy to your anxiety is not the answer to your prayer. It's not just that checklist that you've sent him. Will he answer prayer? Yes. Your prayer is answered is not the answer to your worry. Because you will just move to that next thing, waiting for that thing in order for you to have peace. But you'll just keep on moving to moving to moving. The answer to your worry in your head and in your heart is not your prayer request answered. The answer to your worry is peace. And if worry leaves us fragile, fractured, busy, sore, the answer to that, that place of busyness, soreness, and fragility, the answer to that is his peace. 
His shalom. His, his wholeness. That picture of God's peace is one of completeness, of being solid. Of a wall that is made with no bricks missing. There's no hairline fractures. It is whole. It's like Uluru, baby. That thing is just one solid rock. There is nothing that could possibly fracture that God kind of shalom. It's whole. It's not busy. See, worry leaves us busy. God's peace leaves us calm. Worry leaves us sore. His peace makes us whole. Worry leaves us in a place of fragility, but His peace makes us strong. How does this happen? How does our lives move from a place of worry into a place of of wholeness and peace? The way into it is through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And it seems like they're the same thing, but there is some difference there. Let me just run through these super quick. The first thing, prayer. It sounds a lot like petition, but the, the difference is that it is at its core a devotional practice. It's a lifestyle of waking up and being aware of the presence of God near to you. It's learning to wake up and, and, and speaking to our Heavenly Father as though He is right there. It's talking with God, conversing with God. The psalmist says it like this, that when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. See, we need to learn to cultivate a practice of prayer that says, when things begin to go on in my life, I'm going to turn to conversing with Him. I'm going to focus my mind and my heart and my attention and my affection on the relationship and the nearness of my Savior. Isaiah 26 says, this is, a, this is an amazing promise. That you keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. If you want peace, you cannot allow your mind to be fixated on your worry. You need to learn to live aware, intentionally engaging, communing with God. Say, pray, that's awesome. I don't, I don't know where to start. Can I tell you, cultivating a life of prayer oftentimes just looks like when things are going on, just saying, you know what, God? Something goes on at work and you're, just, you're confused, you're a bit, bit lost, anxiety, worry begins to creep in. It's simply just taking a moment to stop and just say, God, I'm a bit lost here. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. It's prayer, it's fixing our heart on His presence and hearing Him. We need to cultivate a life of prayer. And in that place, says that your consolations cheer my soul. We need to learn to speak and listen. Because in that we begin to hear the heart of the Father. Who says that whatever it is that you're going through, your, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It feels like God, there's stuff going on in my, in my life and He begins to tell us that, hey, I've been in a storm before, I can calm this. He begins to speak to us and say, look, I know it feels like you're walking through fire before. We've been here. I can get you through this. It's in a place of prayer that God's constellations, His calming answer to our needs becomes close to our mind. Second thing is, is petition. It's... If you're old school, it's the word supplication, which I thought was a kind of cactus. 
But, but supplications, petitions, it's this image of passionately, humbly asking for something. It's that place of coming to God and making your requests specifically known, laying out your specific needs, actually articulating them. If you've ever been toy shopping with a child, uh, we've just kind of gone through uh, like the Christmas season. If you go into Kmart, you have seen supplication at its best. Say, can I have that one? That one right there, not not the bottom shelf, the third shelf. That one just there, third in from the left. I know that I could never afford it. I know that there's no way that I could get this possibly. And I know you probably already got all of my Christmas presents. But if you could just, like, I would love that. That one there, that's the thing that I desire above everything else. That's supplication. That's, I mean, it's bad. It's not, it didn't work. Um, But... But, but that's, that's what learning to actually come to God and begin to make our requests known to Him. Jesus tells this story of a neighbor who, just because it's like the middle of the night, he needs some sugar because I am your neighbor. Um, and he goes to the neighbor's house at midnight and begins to knock on the door. And Jesus tells this story and he says, if nothing else, it's because of his incessant, shameless audacity that won't that neighbor get up and give him what he wants. And God's not saying, I'm that terrible neighbor that won't get out of bed. No, he's like, I'm so much better than that neighbor. I want to give you what it is that you're asking. But it's time for us to learn to ask. It's time for us to actually not just have the intention of asking, but actually asking God for the desires and our needs when worry creeps in. It's the picture, and we see this all through Scripture. He delights in hearing us ask. It's the story of a lame man at a pool of Bethesda. Jesus walks up and he says, what do you want? It's not because he doesn't know, it's because he wants to hear him say it. We see it replay in a wedding at Cana where Jesus turns water to wine when he raises a deceased daughter of the synagogue, Leda Jairus, when he opens the eyes of a blind man named Bartimaeus, Jesus repeatedly poses questions to invite others to ask him to move in. It's almost as though Jesus says, I want to hear you say it. Before acting, Jesus often searches for a welcome place to move in glory. We see in Scripture from cover to cover, Scripture makes this comprehensive point when it comes to prayer and petition. God wants you to ask. He delights in hearing you ask. God's giving, His answering to your prayer is is not because He's ignorant. It's not like He was like, oh, wait, what? Right? Sometimes they're like, well, He knows what's going on. Yes, It's not because he doesn't have a clue what's going on in your life that he wants you to ask. He is well aware. And it's not because he's reluctant and he's like, you're going to have to give me a compelling case before I give you what you want. No, no, no. It's because it's not for him that our asking moves him. It's for us that he can begin to move in. Because what prayer does, especially when our prayer requests come, what happens in our hearts is it pulls us from this place of, I've got this, and it places us on the shore of our ability. And it makes us stand and stare in the eye that it's like, this is as far as I can go by myself. And it pulls us to the reality that I'm not God. The only way that I can get to that place that I have in my heart is if you step in. 1 Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore before the mighty hand of God that He may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. 
See, what has to happen in our lives is we have to learn to humble ourselves enough to say, I'm not God, but I need him. I need you. Perhaps the way into peace this year for you is for you to begin to actually ask. Actually begin to speak it out. Because I don't know how many times I've had conversations with people. And we, we talk, and I do this as well, where it's like, have you prayed about it? And it's like, yeah. And then you're like, well, what did it look like? When? Where? How did you pray? What did it sound like? It's like, well, you know, I, I, I meant to pray about it. And you're like, awesome. Well, I thought, I thought about meaning to pray about it. Great. Friends, when it comes to asking, when it comes to making your requests known to God, thinking about asking is not praying. Knowing that we ought to pray is not praying. Listening to a message about praying is not praying. Planning a time to pray is not praying. Only praying is praying. And it's time for us to stop having intentions of praying and living stuck in a place of worry. And Jesus is inviting you tonight to step out of intention and into action so that his peace can meet you where you're at. It's time for us to stop being stuck in worry simply because we're stuck behind good intentions. And begin to step into praying. He's like, well, Ryan, I don't know where to start with that. Wesley said, help is about as powerful prayer as I ever prayed. Simply saying, God, help. I'm stuck. I can't do this by myself. What, what is it that you actually need and have you actually articulated it to God? And then all of this is underpinned with one major thing. If the band wants to come, it's underpinned with thanksgiving. It's underpinned not on what he will do. See, the way into a place of peace from worry is not like, well, God, I'm going to make my request known, and then I'm going to stay worrying until it happens. No, no, no. The way into his peace is underpinning all of your prayer and petitions and requests, not on what he will do, but on what he has done already. Learning to set the direction of your attention based on, a pl- or based on a place of gratitude that fixes our focus on what has already been done by Jesus. And again, get real with it. Actually, just really say what you're thankful about. Don't pretend. Have you ever had one of those, like, it's like, hey, man, what are you thankful for? And they say something and you're like, why? I don't know. It's like, well, be, like, be thankful for something. Don't, get, don't be like, God, I'm just so thankful for this day. It's like, why? You know, I'm like, you're sick. You hated today. Yeah, but it's like, well, no, what are you thankful for? Actually begin to stir up in your heart a place of gratitude that you can look at specific things that I am genuinely thankful, for, thankful to God for and begin to speak it out in your life. But you've got to actually speak it out. You've got to actually get it out. It's called thanksgiving, not thanksgiving. I'm so sorry. But, but it's like, don't just like receive, like you, you had this at Christmas, you gave somebody a gift, you put time, effort and energy into fig, finding this gift, you gave it to them and they just kind of gave you like a nod. And you're like, you know, it's awkward. You come around at the end of the day, it's like, what, well, did you like the gift? I loved it. You didn't want to say that? 
Come on, it's time for us to stop having just good intentions in our heart and begin to actually articulate and express it. And in doing so, our heart is moved from an attention based on our worry and it puts our, uh, our eyes back on Jesus. Because here's the thing, our God has done so much. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were dead and now you're alive. You were broken and He made you whole. I had no breath and He breathed into me. And Jesus, you did all that. I did none of it. I did none of it. I could do nothing to deserve it. Nothing to earn it. I couldn't. And yet you did. Why? Why? For all of the good that He has done in my life that I had no right to get, deserve, or earn. And yet He does it. Why? Because He loves you. And as you begin to practice prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, we come to this place that our hearts and minds begin to be wrapped up in the immeasurable love and goodness of Jesus. And our attention and affection is moved from our fears to the object of our faith. Friends, this is not a how to live your best life now message. This is not a three steps to kind of living hashtag best year ever. This is not a three step way to to, to get what you want in life. What I am telling you is that there is a way. This is not a how to get whatever you want. It's This is how to go through whatever this year holds and come out the other side bold and calm and confident. Come on, we got to get to a place that thankfulness and gratitude and praise sets the direction of focus. And as we do that, as worry comes in and worries will come, this year will be filled to the brim of things that are going to want to take center place in your heart and your mind. But when we do that, when we pray, when we make our requests known, when we have gratitude and praise setting the direction of our attention, worry is dethroned by Jesus. And He takes up that center place in our lives and He pushes worry to the periphery and He says, whatever this year holds, whatever it is that you're worried about, you have to stop letting it be your key identifier. I have you. And He wraps us up. It says that He, he that, that He guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That says that Jesus just wraps us up. And fear can no longer find us for our place is in Him. Come on, can we stand to our feet right across this room? Friends, He, he loves you. I believe with all of my heart that this year, 2024, could be the year that you are set free from worry having rule in your life. I believe the good news is this, that Jesus came and He has made a way for us to live secure and calm and strong in the midst of all of the storms of life. And in doing so, we can begin to step out in courage and boldness. There is a way. We begin to live our lives knowing that He loves us, that He's for us, that He's with us, He cares for us, He's fighting for us, He is our future, He is our hope, He is our joy, and He is our peace. Friends, if you want a year, a week, a life filled with peace, you want 2024 to be a year filled with peace, you need to have a soul 
fixed on Jesus. So here's my question. We're going to take a moment. I'm going to pray. We're going to make our request known. We're going to praise Jesus. This is my question to you right now. What are you worried about? Just with every eye closed, take a moment. Just be real with yourself. This is not just a platitude. What are you worried about? What's robbing you of sleep? What's holding your potential at bay? What's keeping you back? What are you worried about? Have you prayed about it? We're going to worship God for just a few moments. And whatever it is that you're worried about, this is not just for a select few. Everybody in this room has worries. What are you worried about? As Ben begins to sing, what I want you to do is just in your own way, just begin to talk to God. Just begin to say, God, this is what's going on. Begin to tell Him about your worries. Cast your anxieties on Him because He cares for you.